All right. Hey, folks. So um, I'm going to, I've not done a podcast for a while. I've been focusing on YouTube, um, but I, I wanted to kick this back off again. And I want to use this as a way to collate my thoughts on fairly long, uh, nuanced topics so that I can then perhaps um, make a video about this later. So uh, yeah, if you like the the outline of the old podcast where I would just sort of talk and um, muse on my thoughts for a while, you'll probably quite enjoy this video. Um, the content that I'm going to discuss is going to be to do with the natural limit, or quote-unquote limit. Um, so, relatively niche topic, I think. Um, it, it's, a, it's a topic which is of concern to a lot of people in the industry, but it, it's not one of the big basic questions but i think it's um it's relevant so if you if you find it interesting you'll probably like this um depending on whatever side on the fence you fall on so whether you think there is a limit or whether you don't um yeah so let's let's go ahead and kind of talk about this now in terms of what the limit is or what what people say it is people say that there is a limit of lean body mass that you can get to as a natural. There's like a hard limit and there's no way you're going to surpass that. Um, and that's been quoted as it being an FFMI of over 25. Okay, so 25 is the limit. Um, FFMI is fat-free mass. Now, the way they work that out is kind of similar to BMI. It's your lean body mass in kilos divided by your height in meters squared. So essentially, the same formula as body mass index, but for lean body mass rather than total body mass. And the idea is if, you, if you're hitting above 25 when you're lean, well, you know, that's, well, that essentially they we're saying that's impossible. Um, and I think this is kind of where, where people get things wrong because it's sort of assumed that that is legit. Um, and then, you know, you get people who say, no, that's rubbish. And then they get ridiculed by saying, ah, well, show me the bodies and <laughs> all that stuff. So there's a lot of back and forth, but I think the problem is, it's mostly just opinion. It, there's no facts being discussed. Um, and the, the, the data that we do have, the original data which showed 25 FFMI is, or, or points to this idea that it might be a limit, um, that wasn't done particularly well. So I want to delve into that, and then I want to delve into some new research, which, um, which perhaps gives us more of an idea of what's going on, what's actually going on. So in terms of the original 25 FFMI figure, we can trace that back to a study done um, back in 95. It was called Fat-Free Mass in Users and Non-Users of Anabolic Androgenic Steroids by Curie, 95. Okay. And um, just to kind of pull a quote from the article, in an examination of 157 athletes comprising 83 steroid users and 74 non-users, we calculated normalized FFMI using height, weight, and body fat based on skin fold measurements. With a simple measurement, we found that athletes who had not used steroids all had values of less than 25, whereas a large proportion of steroid-using athletes easily exceeded this limit. So, you know, that's that's what the study concluded. And that's essentially what sparked off almost 30 years now of this notion that 25, 25 is a limit. The problem with that is the way the researchers went about gaining participants. So, essentially, what happened is... Um, in the study prior to this study, um, well, yeah, first of all, in this study, um, 
they basically just recruited lifters from random gyms in the Boston and Los Angeles areas. That's it. Um, yeah, that, that's it. They weren't specifically looking for, you know, the biggest naturals. They were just trying to find an average range of very average people from very average gyms, which I think is probably good data to point to, you know, an average level. But to then extrapolate that to say this is a hard limit and nobody can exceed it, well, you see where we start to see problems. Um, and yeah, this, the study prior to that also did the same thing. They just advertised in uh, in gyms. And basically, the only idea was, look, we're, you need to be over 16 and you need to have lifted weights for at least two years. So that doesn't tell you very much. I mean, you could have an 18-year-old there who's lifted weights for two years. Um, I mean, I don't think you're going to be anything close to your limit after two years. I think I was probably at my peak of mass after, I would say, 15 years. Yeah, 15 probably. So that's a bit of a red flag, you know. I think if you're trying to test the limits of drug-free muscularity, you want to make sure that the, um, the people who are in the study are, you know, those guys at the top of the genetic ceiling. So if that was me, I'd be looking for modern-day natural bodybuilders. I wouldn't just be picking a random selection of people from the gym. Um, I, you know, that's, that's an issue, um, I think. So... The second problem is that the um, the sample size wasn't particularly big. So in that first study, the sample size was just 74 non-drug-using individuals. That's not a lot of people. Um, 74, you know? Um, so, I mean, if I was just to pick a random sample of, say, 74 people from the gym and look at their grades, you know, for school, I mean, I, I use that example because I was a school teacher. Would I see um, a whole bunch of people over like A star level or, or whatever the grading system is now? Probably not. I'd probably get a reasonable sample of maybe between C's and A's, maybe one or two outliers, you know, A stars. And I would I would have to conclude that the majority of people are walking around with those kind of levels of aptitude towards exams. So, you know, it's, or maybe a, a more relevant example, perhaps if I recruited 100 people from local gyms and tested their 100 meter sprint, right? <laughs> that would give me vastly different results than if I was trying to test the limits of human capacity. It gives you data, sure, but I don't think that data can easily be attributed to say this is an absolute maximum. So that's, there's two red flags there, okay? One is um, the subjects they recruited were, they weren't at the genetic ceiling. We, we're not testing the limits here, we're testing an average. And second, there just wasn't that many participants in the study. So that's like a couple of big red flags. Um, the, the other thing is, at the end of the study, <laughs> the authors themselves acknowledge that FFMI is probably not a great way to assess muscularity. So as usual, people just take a conclusion and run with it. But the, the actual authors themselves said, look, this isn't, you know, this isn't, this isn't something you should extrapolate out to a hard limit. This is, this is what it is. It's an average sampling, that's all. Um, and also, the, the second thing when, when you look at that study is, if we go by the actual FFMI figures, there was actually <laughs> at least one dude in the non-users who was above FFMI 25. So even their own study <laughs> pointed to the fact that 25 is not a limit. Um, so that's, that is 
you know, that's a pretty big thing, isn't it? Um, so I think, I think there's a couple of things there where the we're already starting to not, not even question the data, but question the application of the data with regards to using it as a 25 being an absolute cutoff. Because again, even within that study, there was one person over 25 FFMI who was a non-user. Um, yeah. So, right, I'm just gonna scroll down with my notes. Okay, now another thing that was done was was in that study, they obtained the heights, weights, and ages of all-time best Mr. America winners from 39 to 59, like 1939 to 1959. And the idea was that anabolics weren't readily available at that stage in that era, which, I mean, is, is up for debate, but, you know, we could be fairly certain. This was the era of uh, Steve Reeves, um, early Reg Park, early Bill Pearl, uh, Grimek, of course. And they found that the majority of those were around about that 25 FFMI level. Um, you had outliers like, uh, I think it was Jack Dillinger, who was 28, um, Afferman, who was incredibly muscular at 27, almost 28, um, Farbotnik, 26. Uh, Steve Reeves, surprisingly, was only 23, um, which is amazing. Uh, Grimek, later in his career, was almost 27. So and, uh, Steve Stanker, 27, incredible physique. Um, but yeah, so there were plenty above 25, a couple below. Um, so this idea that even back then, if you're looking at the peaks of muscularity, you're looking at guys who surpass those regularly. Um, now, you know, you could argue that perhaps they did have steroids available. Yeah, you could make that argument. But um, I think that the greater point is that more than likely, the high degree of drugs weren't available. Also, those athletes probably don't represent what they could have achieved if they had a full-time bodybuilding career and time on their side. We're looking at guys back then from 39 to 59 who were probably, well, definitely working full-time because bodybuilding did not pay the bills. Um, maybe were enlisted for certain parts of their career. Uh, perhaps, I don't know, the, the history of wars and stuff. Um, so I think... So I think that, again, it's not a good piece of data to use to say these are the limits. I think back in those times, life was not very affluent. It was actually quite difficult. You know, medicine wasn't as good as it is now. Um, as much as we like to look back in, with rose-colored glasses to say, hey, you know, life was better back then, foods are more natural. But no, the reality is um, you know, people didn't live as long for the reasons that conditions just weren't as good. So a lot of these guys who had reached these peaks, more than likely we can extrapolate that had they, had we seen, say, the likes of a, a Reg Park in modern day life without drugs, I can all be almost certain he would be bigger. With, you know, given the benefits of, let's say he was born into an affluent family where he was comfortable, but not comfortable enough to be, to be slacking, but you know, to have that drive. Um, and was bodybuilding for a long period of time, 30 years, and he was sufficiently motivated, I think he would have blown his physique out of the water. So, so there is that too, you know, we're looking at a different era. Like people don't understand how hard things were back then in 39 to 59. So 
and you know again these guys work full time that's obviously going to have an effect so there's that so now i think yeah so i think you know we've we've looked at quite a few parts of that study to say that okay what we're getting is we're probably getting a good sampling of an average but we're not really seeing data to suggest that's going to be a hard limit and even and even so even within the study itself we had people who were surpassing this so-called limit so again if we look at the data it doesn't seem to add up even in the earliest study which which is where all this came from right so um before i go on i do want to maybe kind of provide a couple of counterpoints to my own argument really so i think there were some limitations um so for example with the original study there may have been some steroid users slip into the non-using group okay so potentially um they were tested but you know uh, who knows like it, it, somebody may have been sufficiently motivated to to you know lie um so it is a possibility if, if we're going to be fair to both sides of the argument i think we have to acknowledge that it's a possibility um the second thing is that if we're saying 74 users so 74 non-users were not a large sample size well the idea is that the um, mr america winners were supposed to help to mitigate this limitation and you know this idea that the the average ffmi of the mr america winners was just over 25 so that was supposed to back up the point that 25 is a limit but again that I don't think that's a valid point. It's a different era. Um, the third thing is that the body fat estimations are based on skinfold measurements. Um, and also the Mr. America body fat calculations are based on just photographs. So they're prone to error, which is true. I think it's true. But then the error can go in both directions. You can underestimate and you can overestimate. I mean, the, the standards of leanness back in the day, sort of 100 years ago almost, were a lot less than they are now. The guys now are absolutely peeled. I mean, one of the reasons, if we take the classic example of Chris Bumstead versus an Arnold, and Arnold was still, you know, highly enhanced. There's so much more muscularity in Chris Bumstead, which is one of the reasons why he's just physically so much larger, even though they weigh about the same on stage and at the same height. So Bumstead is just unequivocally bigger than Arnold, which is why his quads look bigger, his delts look bigger, his back looks bigger. He's just a bigger guy. Um, and part of that is they're at the same contest body weight, but Arnold was just so much softer. Um, and I know that sounds a bit crazy for some people to hear, but I mean, he just it was. And then if you compare Schwarzenegger to say Steve Reeves, the difference in muscularity is completely different again. So it is possible that those Mr. America winners were just higher in body fat than we've given them credit for. And yes, it's equally possible they were lower in body fat, but you know, that limitation can go either way. Um, so yeah, if we just kind of begin to wrap this up, I think the idea that an FF of my 525 is any kind of a natural limit can only really come from a very, very bad interpretation of just one study. So this is an example of very, very bad science. And, and it's very, very flawed. So I, I don't know I don't know how people who, who actually look at the data can can realistically say that that is correct you know if we if we actually look back at the data i just don't think that's an argument we can make okay um 
Now, I want to direct your attention now to a study which was done more recently. This one is from, where was the date on this? Uh, yeah, 2017. It's called Fat-Free Mass Index in NCAA Division One and Two Collegiate American Football Players. This was done by uh, Eric Trexler, who some of you may be familiar with, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, <laughs> sorry if that kind of uh, trivialized their, their input, but, but that's what we, we saw. Um, but anyway, what, what they saw in this was that it seemed like the upper fat FFMI estimation in these collegiate players was about 28. So we have a study here from just six years ago, which quite clearly shows using, you know, some of the similar methods that they used back then for the 25 of my study that the limit, well, I mean, there was, <laughs> it shows that in the modern day context, you know, these collegiate athletes, they are surpassing the FFMI dramatically. So whereas 25 was the FFMI previously, we have not just one or two, but many, many people, like six linemen in this study who were, who hit 28 FFMI. I mean, that is, that's massive. Um, that's incredible. I, I wonder if I can just do a quick calculation to, to, to see what a 20, just to give you guys some perspective on what a 28 FFMI actually looks like. So let's take a guy who's Five foot eleven, who weighs say two twenty at body fat ten percent. Uh, yeah, okay, that's not even. So two thirty. Yeah, okay. So that would be the equivalent of a guy at five foot ten, five foot eleven, somewhere in between, weighing two hundred and thirty pounds at twelve percent body fat, a genuine twelve percent. Now let's take it down to contest shape. Let's say six percent. Let's see. Let's see how heavy. He would have to be. Okay, great. So this that would be the equivalent of a guy who weighs 210 pounds at 6% body fat of average, like 5'10", 5'11", height. That is absolutely enormous. So we, we saw in this study from six years ago, guys who are that big. Now, to put that number into perspective, I'm about 5'10", 5'11". I competed on stage at 180. And I probably wasn't 6%. I was probably maybe 7 or 8 and, I, and I'm not small. So again, this idea that there is a FFMI of 25 and that's a limit, it's just been, it, it's been blown out of the water in the modern day context, but also it wasn't even a limit in the original study. So I think, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot here where, there's a lot here to suggest the original study was just bad science. We need to stop talking about a natural limit just stop talking about it like the, yes the odds are very low that somebody before the era of steroids and all that kind of stuff um hit it right um because lifestyle was different back then you know the the challenges of life were different but equally speaking to say that it's a hard natural limit for the human body it just doesn't really take into account how these things work, like this data, how it works and how the human body adapts. Like we're, all, we're all on a spectrum, it's like a bell curve. There are gonna be a bunch of people in the middle, which is probably where the 25 FFI figures, but to say there's a limit, just 
doesn't really take into account how the human body works. There are going to be outliers on both ends. And as the, the, as the, the field gets larger and larger, we're going to see that there are people on the top ends, and we're going to see more and more of them as there are more and more people getting involved in sports and bodybuilding, and especially um, sports like uh, American football, where it's just so competitive. Um, and you've got these guys who are just absolute behemoths playing that sport because that's where there is so much money. So the biggest people on the planet will be drawn to that um, because, you know, if you're like that big, that huge and that athletic, well, yeah, you can make a lot of money out of doing that. So those guys can play for 10 years and be set for life. Um, so we're going to see more of that coming up. So this idea that there is a limit just needs to be stopped altogether. It just doesn't hold up. It doesn't. It didn't hold up in the original data, and it doesn't hold up in the modern context either. So um, now, I want to just end by touching on what, why do why does this continue to be discussed? Um, yeah, why does this continue to be discussed? I think initially, well, people just go along with their own beliefs. I think that's what it is. I mean, I know of at least one influencer who he just goes along with his beliefs and he hasn't, he doesn't have the mental capacity to update those beliefs because I think he maybe thinks that, well, if he, if he was wrong, I, I think he thinks that he has to be right all the time. So I think with some people, they're just kind of stubborn. They feel like they have to be right all the time. Um, I think with other people, they don't know how to interpret the data. So they look at conclusions and to them that is quote unquote reading the data. Uh, reading the studies, but it's it's not. It's just reading headlines. So I think um, for some people, they just don't know how to critically interpret data. It, it, to be honest, it baffles me that this whole notion got going in the first place. We have 30 years of people who have clearly not actually read the original study and have just gone along with the myth. Isn't that wild, though? Isn't that kind of crazy? That that it, It's a lie that has been repeated for so long, it's become truth. And over 30 years, no one seems to have, act, well, very few people seem to have actually read the data. They all just kind of go along with it and say they have read it. Um, it's kind of worrying, really, to think about it. If people are out there trying to teach others about stuff like this, it's, it's kind of strange. So, yeah, I, I just think it's a combination of people not being able to read the data, people being intellectually lazy, uh, people not wanting to appear that they're wrong. But, I mean, the data clearly blows it out of the water. So it does seem like if you have time, if you have good genetics, if you maintain injury-free status, you're going to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. There doesn't appear to be any kind of quote-unquote limit. There wasn't from the original study, and there isn't in follow-up studies, and the original data was, was just really bad science. So um, yeah, you know, I, I think I would, I'm going to include my, um, my, my, uh, my, my research articles my citations at the bottom of this podcast and I will do for my YouTube as well. So, you know, if you want to forward those to people and this podcast, feel free to do so. Um, but I, I do, I do have a feeling that people who don't want to listen and who, who originally don't want to listen probably won't listen to this podcast either because they'll just dismiss it as rubbish because again, it's the same thing. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, right. I'm going to call it there. Hopefully you guys found that interesting and I'll pop this up onto uh, SoundCloud. All right, all the best.